0: That's what we need this study to get to the bottom of and if there's no problem here that CMP and Hydro-Quebec want to hide, there should be no problem with doing this study.
1: Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. I'm your host Carly Perugio. In episode 10 of our podcast, NRCM's energy attorney Sue Ely talked about the reasons NRCM is concerned about Central Maine Power's proposed power line and then in episode 11, we heard from our advocacy director, Pete Didesheim, and he said that every proposed bill at Maine State House has a public hearing. I guess you could say that this episode is where everything comes together, because this episode features NRCM's testimony at a public hearing in front of the Environment and Natural Resources Committee. The hearing on March 15th was for a bill called LD 640, and if the bill passes, the legislature would require Maine's Department of Environmental Protection to conduct an independent investigation of claims that cmp has made that its transmission line would reduce greenhouse gas emissions i know that was a really long sentence so i'll say it again ld 640 would require an independent study of cmp's greenhouse gas claims nrcm staff scientist nick bennett testified in support of ld 640 at this public hearing in this episode we're bringing you nick's testimony thanks for listening
0: Good afternoon, uh, Representative Tucker, Senator Carson, and members of the Environment and Natural Resources Committee. My name is Nick Bennett. I'm the staff scientist for the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We are very skeptical of CMP's claims about carbon emissions benefits, and we think this committee should be skeptical, too. The New Hampshire Site Evaluation Committee spent four years considering the virtually identical project, Northern Pass, that would have gone through New Hampshire. They rejected it. And in their conclusion, they said, we agree with the council for the public. That's the equivalent of the public advocate here. We agree with the council for the public that no actual greenhouse gas emissions reductions would be realized if no new source of hydropower is introduced and the power delivered by the project to New England is simply diverted from Ontario or New York. The record is unclear as to whether the hydropower is new or will be diverted from another region. Well, now folks, the record is clear because in its contract uh, response to the contract uh, RFP from Massachusetts, Hydro-Quebec stated the following. This proposal offers a viable, low-cost, clean energy generation delivery project with limited risk because one, there is no construction risk related to the generation resources which are already in service. Because no new hydroelectric generation projects will be required, there will be no incremental environmental impacts from hydroelectric generation as a result of this proposal. What this means is that Hydro-Quebec isn't making any new electricity to sell to Massachusetts. They're just gonna sell some of their existing electricity to Massachusetts. And what does that mean? That means that one of the many, or many, some of the many of the other places where Hydro-Quebec sells electricity, and there are lots of them. New York, New Brunswick, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and the midterm. Can yeah. I stop you here for a second? I'm going to put this on pause. Okay. Because I want to zero in on that. Yep. Uh, you've gone from being a fish expert to a finance expert. And I wanted to ask you if you have any information in your studies about the relative charges for electricity that is generated by the hydropower in Quebec that goes to New York. And what the charges will be for the electricity that's going to go from Quebec to Massachusetts? Uh, I do. And the answer to that is that Hydro-Quebec sells on the spot market to New York. And the spot market is the least profitable way for them to sell electricity because they basically sell it whenever New York needs it. Massachusetts is offering a long-term power purchase agreement, which means they are willing to pay a fixed price for the electricity for 20 years. No matter what, they'll pay the same amount. So there's no competitive bidding, nothing. In New York, if somebody wants to compete and sell a lower price than Hydro-Quebec, they can. And if Hydro-Quebec wants to sell into New York, they have to lower the price still. So they can't make nearly as much money. That's the root of this. It's not carbon emissions. There's a contract set of hearings uh, on the contracts in Massachusetts for this project that are also ongoing. The reason my handout was so heavy is I attached... Uh, the testimony from the Massachusetts Attorney General to those hearings, both their uh, December last year testimony and their February February testimony, and I strongly urge the committee to read that. It raises all the reasons that this committee should be skeptical. One of the things that uh, Mr. Murphy, who I think uh, Mr. Dudley before quoted severely out of context, but the witness for the Massachusetts Attorney General said is, That he's very concerned that Hydro-Quebec could just meet the requirements of the Massachusetts contract by shuffling energy from existing customers down to Massachusetts. If this happens, he says, by reducing its exports to other neighboring regions rather than by increasing clean energy generation overall, then global greenhouse gas emissions would not necessarily be reduced. Diverting clean energy from other regions to New England would enable a reduction in fossil generation and emissions within New England, but the reduced deliveries to other regions may need to be replaced by additional fossil generation in those regions. This was effectively substitute fossil generation in other regions for fossil generation in New England, shifting emissions from one region to another without causing a material decrease. That's why we need this study, is we need to get at the bottom of that, to this. What's gonna happen when Hydro-Quebec shifts power from someplace in New Brunswick that needs to make up for the power, and New Brunswick is about half dependent on coal. Are they going to increase their coal generation? If they do, then decreasing gas emissions in Massachusetts is not going to make up for it. It's going to be worse than if this power line wasn't there. The AG in Massachusetts also raised questions about whether or not the bidding process for this contract was even fair. He said, I am also concerned about the inclusion of bidder's affiliates in the evaluation team. This is generally considered inappropriate because it can bias the evaluation and selection process. Such concerns arose in multiple instances in the 83D evaluation process and were noted by the independent evaluator. 83 is the section of Massachusetts law that required these contracts. We tried to get some of this information from CMP and they didn't give it to us. We asked them simple questions in a meeting we had with some of the gentlemen who testified earlier. We asked them what facilities would Hydro Quebec use to power, to provide power, to the, to the NECEC, and where does power from those facilities currently go? What power sources would likely be used by existing customers if HQ, Hydro Quebec, reduces it, its exports to them in order to sell to Massachusetts? We got nothing. No answers. They told us ask Hydro Quebec. We also tried to make greenhouse gas emissions a hearing topic at DEP's site law hearing process, which, uh, to echo Mr. Hedrick from before, Mark Bergeron incorrectly said that those would be a topic of the hearings. We described how CMP has made claims about greenhouse gas emission reductions, the key justification for putting a giant power line through Maine's Northwoods. Therefore, we argued, we think reasonably, the topic of climate impacts should be relevant to whether DEP grants CMP a site law permit CMP's attorney stated in his objection to NRCM's request to provide expert testimony on greenhouse gas emissions that, quote, NRCM asserts that CMP relies on the project's greenhouse gas reduction benefits as the project's purpose and need, and thus the opposition interveners should be able to rebut at the hearing CMP's statements concerning those benefits. In fact, nowhere has CMP stated that the project's purpose and need includes greenhouse gas emissions reductions. DEP upheld their objection, and we are not allowed to testify on carbon emissions at that hearing. CMP and Hydro-Quebec have successfully kept their claims of carbon emissions reductions from regulatory scrutiny in Maine. They've mentioned a couple of studies from the PUC. None of those studies have looked at the resource shuffling issue. When you pull power from New York to sell to Massachusetts, how does New York make up for that? They deliberately left that out of their studies. That's what we need this study to get to the bottom of. And if there's no problem here that CMP and Hydro Quebec want to hide, there should be no problem with doing this study. Be happy to take any questions. questions. Uh, Representative Ziegler.
2: Um, Hi, Mr. Bennett. How are you? Hello. Good. How are
0: you? I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. Besides the AG in, in Mass, is there a Anybody else? Are people becoming more skeptical? Are they moving away from the possibility of Hydro-Quebec? Is there a movement in Mass that might end this? Or Massachusetts, I should say. I I don't think that there is as much awareness of this project in Massachusetts as there is in Maine. And I think that's not surprising because Massachusetts' land is not going to be threatened. However, um, if you read the Attorney General's full testimony, one of the things he mentions repeatedly is... This is going to cost Massachusetts ratepayers billions of dollars and I am concerned that they're not getting anything for their money because there won't be any reductions in greenhouse gas emissions and there were 45 other bids that could have actually provided reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. This hearing process is ongoing, this is testimony, there will be briefs coming up in a few weeks and then sometime after that Massachusetts equivalent of the PUC will make a decision on this. I have no idea where they're going to go. We're not interveners; we could not. We don't have the resources to intervene in all the things we do here in a in a project down in Massachusetts. Uh, uh, is, are there any groups you could reach out that could do that intervention? Um, no, the interveners um, uh, were set, you know, like over a year ago. So no. Representative Gramley.
2: Thank you, Representative. Uh, Thank you Mr. Bennett. This is really helpful. Um, This is kind of um, in sync with what Representative Ziegler was asking. My question overall was, this is a lot of material and and I'm I'm looking forward to um, reviewing it, but I wondered if there was anything in particular that you would point out relative to this redacted testimony um, from Mr. Murphy that you would point us in the direction. I mean, I heard you say um, that it, that he testified over and over and over again about the cost um, to Massachusetts ratepayers. but I'm just curious if you might direct us. Um,
0: well, I think another really important um, section of this testimony, if you give me a second, I'll find it, um, because it's also the crux of the issue and then i'll point you point out um the the section on costs but if you look at page 15 of 27 if you're on that now and there's the page numbers are in little tiny numbers in the upper right hand corner of the document Mm -hmm. this is done in question and answer format which is very uh typical for witness testimony in these kinds of proceedings so the question is What would be required to ensure a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions? For the 83D contracts, and again 83D is just the Massachusetts law, for the 83D contracts or any project to reliably reduce greenhouse gas emissions, they would need to provide clean energy that is additional. Additionality is a commonly used concept in the climate change discussions. It refers to emissions reductions that occur because of a proposed action reductions that would not have occurred otherwise under business as usual. Importantly, it must ov- it must involve overall global emission reductions, not reductions in one region or sector that might be offset by a corresponding increase that is triggered elsewhere, or reductions that would have occurred regardless of the proposed action. For example, a, p- a power purchase agreement that supports the development of a new wind farm will, gen- wind farm will generally be additional. The new wind farm produces clean energy that would not otherwise be be produced, displacing fossil energy and reducing emissions. So the clean energy and the emissions reductions are additional to what would have occurred without the power purchase agreement. Clean energy, however, is not always additional in this case. If an existing wind farm, or say an existing hydropower dam, with an expiring power purchase agreement signed a renewed power purchase agreement with a different buyer, the renewed power purchase agreement does not result in additional clean energy. The existing wind farm would have continued to produce clean energy, even without the renewed power purchase agreement. The output may have been sold to a different buyer or on the spot market. So that's one really key concept, is this concept of additionality. If Hydro-Quebec is using the same sources that are in existence now to supply Massachusetts, it's not additional, and it doesn't, it doesn't supply um, new uh, greenhouse gas emissions reductions. Does that answer your
2: question? It, it it does, and it's very helpful. And I just have one more question, if I may. Um, I, I wanted to get back to what you were referring to, and I'm, I was trying to take notes on it because I don't remember seeing it in your testimony. You gave a scenario of um, New Brunswick, and um, um, that they use kind of half coal. I'm paraphrasing, so please feel free to correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious. With this, you also said that um, Massachusetts would be again, I'm paraphrasing, locked in. With Hydro Quebec for 20 years at a kind of a fixed rate. Yeah. So, what kind of um, it, it occurs to me that there's there wouldn't be a lot of incentive necessarily for Hydro Quebec to go trying to find new customers, for example. I, and I, I don't know if that's like a, a realistic inference that I'm making, but maybe you can kind of steer me if I'm um, off the mark on that.
0: So we commissioned a, a report which I'm happy to share with you, it's longer even than everything I've attached to this, so I didn't bring it in, but I I can distribute it another time, that looked at what the incentives are for Hydro-Quebec in this type of project. The incentive is really very simple, is to get electricity out that they sell in the spot market into long-term power purchase agreements. That's what they're trying to do. Their incentive is not to build new new facilities, building those types of facilities that they have built in the past, are not o- they're not only terribly destructive, and they are unbelievably destructive, they're unbelievably expensive. And Hydro-Quebec wouldn't exist if it wasn't a government-owned company. Um, Hydro-Quebec's goal is to get as much power from their existing resources that they have sold in power purchase agreements and not in the spot market because the price of power purchase agreements is so much more. And this gets back to the to the cost thing, which is why on earth does New England want to help Hydro-Quebec do that? There's nothing in that for us. But the utilities who were left in charge of negotiating this contract in Massachusetts under the law that was passed requiring the contract, for them it's a great deal because all the money goes to them. They don't have to build a new generation. Nothing. Does that answer your question? Okay. Now, the committee rules do allow the sponsor of a bill or resolution to ask questions to clarify and for certain limited purposes. Uh, For that reason, I'm going to recognize
3: Senator Carson to ask some clarifying questions. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just for members of the committee and members of the public as lead sponsor's bill, I have not actually wanted to ask questions, especially not of opponents of LD640, because I didn't want to become argumentative or appear argumentative. But I do have a question that your testimony and some of the other things that have been s- said today has has just led me to, rather than approaching you in the hall, I think it's important to be on the record. Do I understand correctly, and if I don't, please... Um, Set me straight. I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Full disclosure. Dr. <laughs> ben and I worked together for a great many years the National Resources Council of Mayor. to please show him the right. There could be some. See what you did? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, please. Do I understand that one is it accurate to say that one potential outcome? if the main dep does not examine the greenhouse gas effects of the proposed corridor could be higher cost for massachusetts ratepayers from this new sub- this energy from hydro quebec and no reduction of greenhouse gas emissions in the region or or globally so we could end up on the on the losing side of both of these is that accurate? That's basically accurate. I would say there's a
0: little nuance there, which is that although this is um, an above market price for what Hydro Quebec can get for its electricity, it is a bit lower than what Massachusetts gets from some of its other electricity supplies.
3: So they on the clean energy huh? market, on, 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 or or on the, the market, gener- period. The
0: market I think there will be. Um, some short-term price suppression um, for f- because of throwing in a huge slug of power to New England that hasn't been there before. So that will probably... Um, if you watch the, the tape of the hearing that discussed this very issue last week at the PUC, you'll see both uh, Barry Hobbins, who's Maine's public advocate, and Mr. Buxton, Buxton say, yeah, we realize it's not a significant amount of money. Um, So it's a small reduction in price. What happens over the long term, I think, is much more guesswork because it is possible that some plants will shut down. If some plants shut down, then supply and demand fundamentally changes in the market. What effects that have on the price, I don't know. What I do know is that there is a significant chunk of Massachusetts ratepayer money that's going – a billion dollars of ratepayer money is just going to build – the corridor. Then it's estimated that 500, 250 to $500 million a year will go in purchase of electricity from Hydro-Quebec over the 20 years following that. So it's roughly an 8 to $10 billion deal. What I would say is, why would you spend that kind of money on something that doesn't give you what the law is supposed to provide, which is reductions in greenhouse gas benefits? A. And B, if you're Massachusetts, why are you spending all that money in Quebec and Maine? Build solar in your own state or take one of the many bids that Maine submitted to this proposal like the solar farm in Caratonk, which they were really hoping to have that would have allowed true renewable energy to meet the demands of this project. Spend the money on that. But don't just ship it to Hydro-Quebec because you're not getting anything that that's new for it. You're just changing the, the price of the money they get for their electricity. Okay. Thank you. Further questions? Senator Foley. Thank you, Representative Um Thank you, Mr. Bennett. Good um, afternoon. Isn't, um, is it part of the reason that this project is really being looked at now is the potential of losing power plants down down the road. Uh, Seabrook is going to come offline soon, the one in Vermont's coming offline, and so there is a concern of future needs um, that if we don't have some sort of excess power coming in, that we would have to build either another nuclear plant or something else? Or I mean, isn't that part of why they're looking at the for, for the New England grid? I mean, it is going to Massachusetts, but we're all part of the right. New England grid, and it, it, we all share the use of that. And Honest, Honestly, I don't think so. No, this is strictly to meet um, the requirements of a Massachusetts law to do long-term contracting for renewable energy. And there was a big fight over this law. And one of the things most of the environmental community pushed for to have a requirement in that law was no power from Hydro-Quebec. And they lost. The Massachusetts legislature voted for to allow that, I think, under lobbying pressure from the utilities. And this is simply to fill that 83D requirement. I think that people throw around the issue of does Massachusetts have a problem if Seabrook shuts down and who knows when she, Seabrook Is going to shut down i grew up in massachusetts and that was really a long time ago and when i was a little kid they were talking about shutting seabrook down so i i don't think um that this has anything to do with that although i think um the proponents of this project along with a lot of other misinformation that they've spread around have said that thank you thank you
1: thanks nick and thank you for listening to frontline voices if you'd like to learn more about CMP's proposed power line, please visit our website at nrcm.org. That's where you can sign our petition in opposition to the power line, and it's where you can find the rest of our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play by searching for Main Environment Frontline Voices. Thanks again.